coming up next on the Digital Marketer Podcast. I started my first podcast in 2014 and it was just absolute trash. Like it was just really bad. And I think sometimes like that's one of the things that keeps us from getting started is it has to be perfect. This is Digital Marketer. Hey, it's Mark DeGrasse here, and I've got a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your site? Seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully retarget your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. So that means that you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. It might sound too good to be true, but trust me, it works. The CEO, Adam Robinson, is brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for digital marketer listeners. If you go through their easy 30-minute onboarding process and haven't 5X your investment within the first six months, they'll give you all of your money back. To take advantage of the offer, go to getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. That's getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. Hey guys, this is Marty Grass, the GM of Digital Marketer. And I can't tell you how many blogs I've written in my life, perhaps even thousands. It's what kickstarted my entire digital marketing career. The problem is that it can become a full-time job just to get out a quality blog consistently. So that's why I wanted to recommend our friends at BK Content. They've been helping businesses drive leads online for over a decade. And now they're offering a monthly SEO blog writing service where they can do it all for you. You'll get all of your monthly blog posts delivered directly to your inbox, 100% ready to publish. And if you sign up right now, you get 50% off your first month when you try out a monthly plan. Go to bkacontent.com slash digitalmarketer. That's bkacontent.com slash digitalmarketer to get started. Hey guys, welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm Mark DeGrasse, host of our podcast and the president of Digital Marketer. Uh, we help small business owners, marketing professionals, and marketing executives to excel at their careers by acquiring all the methods and assets that you need to be good at your job. So today we have a very special guest, Jeremy Slate. He is the CEO of Command Your Brand and the host of a very successful podcast called Create Your Own Life. And today we're going to be talking about uh, podcasting, why you should be podcasting, and kind of some of the big success stories he's had in terms of getting guests and not just getting listeners, but also converting them into traffic and sales uh, for individual brands. So welcome, Jeremy. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Mark. I'm, I'm stoked to, to hang out and add some value today. Yeah, you know, it's it's super excited to have you on because if you if you look at Jeremy's stuff, he's he's had some big guests on. Uh, he's been doing it forever. I think you actually ranked on CIO Magazine's Top Entrepreneur Podcast. Yeah, two two years in a row, and then 2019 Inc. actually had us as their as their number one to follow. So we've been pretty lucky, man. Lucky? No, that's not that's not part of it. <laughs> it's <laughs> well, consistency and... is important. It's the, it's the part to luck nobody talks about, right? 
Oh man, yeah, it always looks easy when you see somebody you're like, oh yeah, you just have a maid. It's like, oh, it was it was easy the whole time. There was no struggle. So, uh, welcome to the show. I thought today we could talk about you know just the the basics of podcasting, why you should have a podcast, uh, what makes them so valuable, and and really get into the you know how to convert that podcast awareness and traffic into sales. Well, I think like the podcasting world, man, is like there's so much opportunity out there. And I think it's also the direction like the consumer's going as well. Because if you think about the thing that's really interesting is if you look at like podcasting versus other mediums, like it lines up with like your Netflix and your Amazon Prime and things like that, where it's consumer driven. They have to make a decision not just to listen to a podcast. They have to make a decision to find the show either subscribe to the show, listen to that episode. So there's a lot of decisions that go in. So by the time they're getting to you, they're they're very interested in what you have to say and they're able to do it on their time period, right? Like I remember back in the day, like waiting for the X-Files at seven o'clock on a Friday night, you know, like you don't have to do that anymore. And I think that's what's really interesting because the consumer is fitting you into their life rather than vice versa. So I, I think there's a, a lot of ability for, you know, brands and individuals to to, to grow off of that. Yeah, well, it, the uh, the stats completely support that. I, I pulled up some interesting ones from 2021, and I, I didn't even realize this, but 75% of the U.S. population is actually familiar with podcasting now, and that's mm-hmm. that's been going up by you know single or double digits for each year. And the other stats are like 45% of monthly podcast listeners have an income over 75,000. So it's it's the audience is huge and they're also tend to be more educated and actually make more money, which makes them an ideal target. So when was your first podcast that you you kind of launched? Was it this podcast? No, actually. So I, I, I started my first podcast in 2014 and it was just absolute trash. Like it was just really bad. And I think sometimes like that's one of the things that keeps us from getting started is it has to be perfect. But in uh, 2014, I started a show called Rock Your Life, which it turned out somebody else had trademarked, first of all. So like, you know, definitely <laughs> do your research to make sure somebody doesn't have it trademarked. And it was like very life coachy. And like at the time I was like doing network marketing. I was trying to like do whatever I could do to like get people to buy my thing. And it was very life coachy. It like didn't offer a ton of value. I didn't have a microphone. It was my old iBook G4. So nice. it just was not very good. And I quit like 60 days in. I think I had maybe 100 listens. And, you know, during that time period in my life, I was going through a lot of different things. I had my master's degree in ancient history. I was teaching high school for a couple of years. And I kind of, I had a, a life experience. My mom had a stroke and it made me go through a lot of entrepreneurial things to like figure it out. And I started that podcast like early on or pretty quick into it. And it wasn't until the next year I started my, my current show, which is Create Your Own Life. And I think I did what a lot of people do when it comes to digital courses I took four different courses and it almost was a reason not to start the next podcast. And I finally just started. We had 10,000 listens in our first month and we've uh, kind of grown from there. That's fantastic. Just for the listeners, because you know, I'm trying to assume that they know nothing about podcasting, but yeah. 10,000 listens is a ton, especially for your first month. So well, especially you, nobody knows who you are, man. Like I had no social exactly. following. I had nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So was it just the the subject matter or your guests or what kind of drove that initial kind of boom? Well, I think, first of all, like having the experience of just not doing well the first time, I think really helped me because I took a look at that and I'm like, all right, well, what's the worst that can happen? What happened last time? It was also an interesting time period, right? So like right now there's 3.5 million podcasts out there. At that point in time, there was 240,000. So it was substantially smaller, first of all. So it was easier to get found as part of it. But I also knew that the main thing that drives your 
ranking in Apple Podcasts, which at that point in time was was still iTunes, was number of subscribers you can get in a 24-hour period in ratio to your current number of subscribers. So I knew uh-huh. if I could get people to subscribe in high numbers and keep it up for a few days, I would go up a chart. And the thing during that time period that you wanted to do was get in new and noteworthy, which for that time you would then get in it for eight weeks and you would have free promo for eight weeks. So I knew like I had to get enough motion to make that happen and it would kind of help me get there. So at that point in time, what I did is I sent out 3000 individual LinkedIn messages by hand because I didn't know there was like such a thing as automation. So I spent there for like hours, cut and paste, cut and paste, cut and paste, trying to get people to subscribe. So that was one part of it. Another thing I did is I sent out 500 Facebook messages before they cut off my ability to send that link anymore. And (laughs) from there, I actually went texting every number in my phone. I was emailing everybody on the small list I had, which is about 700 people. And it even went to the point of like, we would go out to a bar with friends and I'm like, so let me see your phone. That looks like an iPhone. I'm going to show you how to subscribe to my podcast. So I was like doing everything I could because I knew if I could hit that one metric, I'd get this free promo and that would really help me. And that was in addition to at the same time, getting really good guests because I shot really Mm -hmm. high out of the gate. Within our first 100 episodes, we had um, a piece we did with Gary Vaynerchuk, another one we did with Grant Cardone, we had Cal Newport. So it was part of it was the content, but part of it was realizing what's the worst thing that can happen, I can fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I I just love the, the concept of, you know, campaigning you know, pounding the pavement, like just doing the work. Cause I think pe- most people, when they think of podcasting or any content online, they think it's just going to go viral. Like if I get yes. the right content, it's going to go viral. I don't need to do anything because the universe is going to take care of me or something. And then they're always disappointed. Right. Cause well, any content I think creator too, people you. depend on like budget, right? Like, and budget's not something a lot of people have, but if you're willing to outwork people, you can kind of make up for budget a lot of times, like not always, but you can make up for it a lot of times. Oh, yeah. It, well, and it's it doesn't require it, especially if you're willing to just put in the work, you know? Yeah. For, for that first month, did you how many episodes did you actually put out? So I launched with because part of it, too, is like you want to create a listening habit. And that's as true then as it was now is you want to have enough episodes for somebody to go to. So I launched with eight episodes at that point in time, like launching, meaning like the day I was available for people to listen to in Apple Podcasts. And, and at that oh, time, it was yeah. Stitcher and some of these platforms. So I had eight episodes ready to go day one because you want somebody to be able to form a listening habit. They find one episode, they think it's good, they're going to check out the next one, check out the next one, like then they're hooked. So that is really important. But also then I went right into doing five episodes a week. Now, my strategy on that has changed a lot now as compared to then, because as I said, it was a much smaller space then. So how you do it has changed quite a bit now. What we're doing now is actually two episodes a week. So I think, in my opinion, the strategy's changed now versus what it was then, because there's about 3.5 million podcasts now, and there are about 240,000 at that point in time. So now it's more about giving people the ability to form a listening habit. So two a week to me is the right number, because it's that right balance between quality and quantity. And my episodes are also longer now, too. They used to be like a half an hour. Now we're going closer to an hour because it's about having that good content that people can go to. That's awesome. So the the initial eight episodes that you did, was there a specific theme or did they lead one to the other or was it just kind of general entrepreneurship? It was just general entrepreneurship. My show's kind of changed and, and grown as it's going along. It was more in like, you know, digital marketing, kind of 
create your own type of business thing as, as it was starting. And as we've grown and, and as I've grown, frankly, the, the, the platform's changed a little bit where it's gotten more into, you know, world-class performers and what makes someone great and, and things like that. Like we've had a four-time Indy 500 champion, the, the former CIA director. So we've really started to, to look more into that. And I think that's interesting too, because I think a lot of people, when they start a podcast, they look at it and say, okay, well, this is what my show is. And as the audience changes and as you change, the show can grow and develop and that's fine. And I think you have to be okay with that. That's awesome. But I think you, you always had a certain listener in mind, right? Like a uh, avatar. Yeah, no, like it was always like, frankly, my listener was me at the time, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be 35 in May, but I was, you know, 23, 24 at that time. So I, I would look at it and I would say like, you know, there's somebody that they're, they're brand new in what they're starting. They want to be the best. They feel like they can, but there's something there. And, you know, they're they're in a career they don't like to they want to create something. So, like, it's always been the same listener. But I feel like now that, that listener is kind of growing up with me, I guess, if you want to say. That's awesome. How many listeners do you have or is that a number you can even collect? So it's hard to find out, like, how many subscribers you have. And that's one of the that's one of the tough things about podcasting is we're missing a lot of the right stats. Like, we don't have a subscriber. I tried running it through, like, a feed burner one time to try and see, like, if we could, you know, since this is, is an RSS, if we could see, like, how many subs we had. And that wasn't possible. I know some, I use Libsyn. I know some platforms are getting better with that. So I don't know how many subs I have. I know depending on the episode, we'll do anywhere from from six and a half to, to I think we had one that was, like, 12,000 listens. Wow. So that's about where we are per episode. I don't know what that means in, like, total audience numbers. Yeah. And, and I can imagine with marketers, you know, we're so metric focused that that's that's frustrating <laughs> where you could say. Well, and, that, and that's one of the one of the difficult things, too, because like what my company does is we, we're, we look at ourselves as a PR firm, which can be hard to tie marketing metrics to. And I think there's always that push pull right between PR and marketing. It's like PR doesn't always work in numbers. We have estimated reach and stuff like that. And then marketing is like, well, we want to know the numbers. We want to know the conversion percentage and things like that. And that could be really tough, man. Yeah, well, it, it's I think it's that that pushback that you get because when I had my agency, yeah. I was always telling people like, "Hey, do a podcast. It's the easiest content to collect. Leads to a bunch of other content. You can connect with you know your prospects even to interview, and there's all these big benefits to it. But at the end of the day, if you try to show a business like you had ten thousand downloads, and then here's how much money you made from it. That uh, that can actually could be kind of you know abstract. We'll call it. It's funny, though, because that's something I was discussing with my, my friend Damon Burton. He runs a, a pretty successful SEO agency. And I think you could compare how people look at podcasts to how they look at SEO, right? Like SEO, you're doing all this stuff. It's growing. But the, the business is like, you guys aren't doing anything. And, and I think it's quite similar to how you look at it, right? You're laying the groundwork. And a lot of podcasting actually is SEO. And I think that's what's interesting as well. Like these big podcast hosts like Libsyn and Podbean are two I'm thinking of their site authority score is above 90. So even just having a backlink for every single episode ranking to your site, like I was able to get the authority score of my site very quickly up to like a 40. Wow. And these are things that, you know, being nobody, that's really helpful. These are the, the part people don't think about is the huge SEO benefits. Yes. Well, and I mean, those downloads are very telling. I mean, we, we see it with our two podcasts, the Perpetual Traffic and then Digital Marketer, where we'll see a spike in traffic when we, we do get you know, a big week. So do you, for your firm, I know you talked about landing pages. Do you, you know, connect that through advertising the podcast itself or is it linking or how does that work? So when we're, when we're working with somebody, it's usually as like placing them as a guest on the show. And we, the thing that we're working with them on, with on landing pages, 
because going on other shows is number one a great way to get attention for your business, but it's also a great way to grow your own podcast because you're already getting out there to people that know what a podcast is. Because that's your first barrier, man. People that don't know what a podcast is, is a huge barrier. But we find that when people are on a show, the thing that they really do wrong is they get to the end of the episode and they give somebody like 35 different places and social media platforms for somebody <laughs> to find them. And usually your listener stops listening after the first one. So we usually tell people, if you're going to give away something, whether it's as a guest or on your own show, you want to give them something that helps the application of what you either talked about or taught in that episode. And eBooks are not like the best thing because they're too long and people can't really consume that. You want to give something that's a quick win. So it's a checklist, a worksheet, quiz, like something like that. And that landing page that you're giving that away on, there's a couple different things you should be doing with that. Number one, um, your Facebook retargeting pixel. And I kind of follow the Dennis Yu method on this where he does dollar a day advertising, mm -hmm. but we do 30, 60, and 90 day audiences on there. Retarget those audiences with that. So that's one side of what we do. The other thing we also do is uh, getemails.com is a really cool app that allows you to take people that are already opted into a massive email database and opt them into your own list. So we also have that retargeting code there as well. So anybody that's not opting in, we're still getting them because you have to think about that landing page as a leaky bucket. And you got to mm -hmm. plug as many of the links as, as leaks as possible. But that's something that's really going to help you, like, not just to, um, like, grow your show, but also bring business in. And that's whether you're starting your own show or whether you're doing it as a guest, any landing page you're doing should should work function in that way. I think that that advice is huge because a lot of times you have, you know, your guest and you say, hey, you know, how can people find out more? And then they say, well, they could go to my website, www. And then they'll list the, the domain. And then they'll say, and I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm also on Facebook. I'm also on YouTube and just do whatever. And it's uh, very unfocused, which I think is a, yeah. a big miss because we're digital marketers. Just buy a domain and point it at what you want people to go to. It takes like five minutes. Well, I, I think from, from that too, like when you're looking at the domain, I think one of the things people mess up to is number one, like if you have a a difficult name, like that's going to be a, like a really hard URL to do if it's like a personal branded site or something like that. But at the same time, um, you, you should be thinking with like, how can I make this? Because once again, podcasts are evergreen. So how can this continue to pay me back in the future? So something I actually got from George Bryant a number of years ago is you buy a vanity URL and you use that as your redirect. So then every time, you know, you're going to change out your offer, you could just change the place that that link redirects to. That allows you to always continue to make old episodes relevant. So that's something to be thinking about as well. And you make it something simple. You know what I mean? Like, like I think his is mindofgeorge.com. So you make it something that people can remember. You got a new offer, you switch it out. And that way, those old episodes are relevant again. That's awesome. So let's talk about the naming of the shows. Because I know you started yeah. out with one name and then you, you switched it over to your current name, which I think is much more targeted on an individual. Do you mm -hmm. have any advice for people who they have their business and they're planning on promoting the business, but they don't want to necessarily name it just digital marketer podcast that's a good name though <laughs> for us it's a pretty good name man because people would understand what that means well i think when you're looking at names like it's first of all understanding and i think this is something we've been talking about here like like how a podcast works in the bigger plan of what you're doing i think too often people look at the podcast as the business mm -hmm. when really the the podcast itself is kind of the storefront and the pr vehicle for your business um so i think in terms of naming it like Unless you're a really big name, it's hard to be like the Jeremy Slate show because like people don't really know who I am. You know what I mean? Cool Other than name, like if they know my podcast. I think we have, sometimes we have this misconception of like, I don't know how big we are. Mm -hmm. And so 
when you name it, you want to make it something that's relevant to what you do. Like I know the perpetual traffic show, right? Okay. So I want to get a lot of traffic. I'm going to listen to that show. Like you want to make shows help somebody understand what they're getting out of it. And I think that's really vital. Like create your own life. Okay. Well, I want to do like when we had Grant Cardone on, he goes, I want to do that. I'm like, I am doing that. Like it is something people can look at that and it instantly hits with them what you're trying to do. I think sometimes people try to get a little too cute and and Mm -hmm. interesting with names. And I know like even on the booking side, we've had arguments with clients before where they're like, that podcast doesn't sound like it fits me. I'm like, it does just ignore the name. And I think that's one of the difficult things is you're actually creating a growth barrier for yourself. If you don't realize, let's keep it simple. Let's help people understand like what they're getting out of the show. And if you want to have like a, you know, a cool and interesting name, make it the subtitle, right? Like, Mm. because there is a subtitle line in a lot of these platforms now, but the title should be somebody can look at it, instantly know what they're getting. And it's going to make it easier to brand as well. I love that. And it's, it goes in line with, you know, book covers. We were like, how do you do yeah. a good book cover? And and we were actually just talking about Chandler Bolt. Uh, you know, he has his publishing book, which I just finished reading. It's really good if anybody wants to check that out. Uh, but one of his things is just like, you need to be able to understand what it is right off the bat and then don't make people search for it. So that's that's great advice. Now, in terms of other kind of mistakes you can make when you're getting started, what do you do you see? people or businesses specifically that kind of totally miss the mark when they get going? Yeah. And, and the interesting thing about that is, is I think they have a misconception of like, number one, how hard they're going to work and number, and number two, like how long to do it for. I think if you really want to seek success with a podcast, it's committing to saying, okay, so I'm going to be in this game for a year, see how it goes and can, and, and go from there too often people get to five episodes, 10 episodes, and it's not really going well for them and they end up quitting. So I think that's one part of it. The other part of it is as well is like how you conduct an interview as a host is really important. So one of the things I focus on is I I look at people outside of the podcast world to work on my interviewing skills. And and frankly, I didn't feel like I was doing a great job until I did like 200 interviews and we're we're closing on a thousand now. So I think it's, it's having the right expectations of be willing to do this for a year and then decide if this is the right thing for you. And at the same time, be willing to work on your interviewing chops, man, because it's it's really vital to, to, to and that's if you're doing an interview show, by the way. I, to me, I think that's one of the, the best type of shows to do. And maybe that's another thing to, to tell people when you're starting. Decide what type of content you're going to do. Like if you're going to do a, a show that just does you talking for 20 minutes, whatever it may be, the thing you need to understand is that's most likely going to be harder than writing a 2,000 word blog post. Because there's so much formatting that goes into that. It has to be good. It has to be interesting. And Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So 
If you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. You really have to battle plan that out. To me, having a good guest is a really good way to do it because you're getting a couple different things. You're getting extra traffic from them if they're sharing it out, which hopefully they are. Um, you're getting good positioning, right? Because you're, it's, there's a great book that people should read. It's called Positioning the Battle for Your Mind by Al Rees. And, and it kind of explains everything about positioning. But when you're seen for or against something, right? It's where people use the word of like, we're the Uber of blank, which really annoys me. Because, but, it's the, it, but it's the idea of they're trying to position themselves with Uber. That's the same thing when you're seen with a guest. That's a basic positioning play. If you're seen with quality guests, you're on that, they're on your show and you're interviewing them. You know, an interviewer, you're seen as the person inviting them onto your platform. So that really helps your branding positioning is another thing to think about. And frankly, those interviews are much easier to prepare for than really, you know, writing your own content. Hey, DM listeners, I've been running my own business since I was 17, and I've found that nothing slows down entrepreneurs more than this one pesky question, and that's what do I do next? And left unanswered, you find yourself stuck far below your potential, jumping from one shiny object to the next, perpetually wondering why other businesses are growing and yours is stuck. So that's why Scalable has put together the seven levels of scale framework. We'll give you the shortest path possible to go from a struggling startup to a high profit, high impact, exitable business that'll give you the wealth and freedom you deserve. So stop wondering what to do next and take our free three-minute assessment today at getscalable.com slash DM. That's getscalable.com slash DM. And you can download a free guide to show you what level of scale you're currently at and how you can scale quickly and profitably to the next. Hi, DM listeners. You have a LinkedIn profile, right? But are you actually using it to generate new business? Survey says probably not. I'm Mandy McEwen, your digital marketer podcast co-host, Mod Girl Marketing Founder, and LinkedIn Nerd. Now, if you're like most professionals, you aren't exactly sure how to use LinkedIn to get results. And that's where I come in. I've trained thousands of professionals and enterprise teams on how to maximize LinkedIn. And I've narrowed down the key steps that lead to real results on LinkedIn and put them in a quick checklist that takes less than 30 minutes a day to complete. You can go to modgirl.info slash DM to start using it. Again, that's modgirl.info slash DM. Yeah, I think when I, with my podcast, which I only did it because I had clients asking for podcasts, I'm like, well, I'm not going to sell it to you if I don't do it myself. So I started mine, but I, I basically would just take articles that I wrote, you know, even like 10 years ago and I just bullet point it. And then I just talk about the concepts. And I found that was a really easy way to get a 15 minute episode done. But I have found with the interviews, yeah, you don't, you don't have to write an article. You just have to do a little research, get interested in the person, what they do, and then it happens. Uh, so for people who want to go that guest route, do you have some mm -hmm. tips on how do you find guests? How do you approach them? How do you get them on the show? So there's a, a couple different things that are, that are really good to this. The, the first I'm going to say, like, don't ever make it about numbers because not everybody's got big numbers. And, and I think if you do that right away, you're already shooting yourself in the foot because now you're arguing with somebody about numbers and like why that amount of numbers is important. So you're dealing with two things. Number one, they may have been on like a really big podcast. So they have wrong expectations of what numbers look like typically because 95% of podcasts get 100 downloads or less. So if you're in that top 5%, you're doing more than 100. Great. But people may have the wrong expectations. So if you start talking about numbers out of the gate and you don't have what they're looking for, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So I tell people don't talk about numbers. <laughs> the first thing you want to talk about 
is, you know, number one, something about them that's important to you, right? There's a reason that you're reaching out to them. And you also want to make it an easy yes for them. So I tend to come to them with a very well thought out what I want to talk about, why I want to talk about it, who it's going to impact. And we also talk about the amount of time the interview is going to take and what platform it's going to be on. Because you want to think about busy people, right? They need to know each one of these things to make a decision. So to me, when you're writing a pitch, those are three things. Those are the, the three or four things you should be looking at. I've actually had a ton of success reaching people via Twitter. You and I were talking about uh, your your producer, Hector. Hector and I, the way we actually talk is do Twitter DMs all the time. Um, <laughs> and I was actually on his, his live that he did on Friday night. Twitter, to me, is still one of the best ways to connect with people if you can get in their DMs. Because Instagram's a little bit harder because of that, like, second inbox thing, which most things still end up in. Twitter, you still have a really good chance if somebody's DMs are open, I'm getting in touch with them. So I actually get a lot of my big guests through Twitter. Another couple tools that I use is hunter.io is great. Um, You can put in a different website. It'll tell you existing emails. It like scrapes the internet. It can tell you existing emails. And anytime you can get in touch with the person you want to talk to, you're going to have kind of the, the best shot of doing that. But the hierarchy is usually the person, their assistant, their PR person, and as you go further away from them, it gets harder. Like if they're a celebrity, like their manager or their, or their whatever, just don't want to deal with you. Mm-hmm. I tell people never deal with a speaker agency because you, you got to understand what their product is. Their product is getting paid speaking for their person. So like I remember one time I, w- I was trying to get an interview with Darren Hardy and I made the mistake of reaching out to his speaker agency. And they're like, it's $20,000 to talk to Darren. I happen to get in touch with his assistant in the future. And they're like, yeah, we can set something up in the future at some point. So it's, it's, you, you have to understand like the priorities of those different hats when you're reaching out to them. Um, another really great tool that I've actually found to get in touch with celebrities, it, it sounds weird, but it actually works. Contactanycelebrity.com has been really good for getting mm-hmm. contact information for famous people. I got an interview with Danica Patrick that way and a few other big ones by using you know, that database of information. So there's a lot of different ways you can do it, but how you pitch is important. You know, don't talk about numbers because then you're arguing about numbers. Keep it short, keep it concise, why you want to talk to them, what the platform is, and you know how much time it's going to be because you want to make it an easy yes for them. Those are some fantastic tips. I especially like the Twitter one because I, I actually, for you know the Digital Marker blog, we try to post a lot. And so I use YouTube and the mm. YouTube contact info for, you know, it depends who you're trying to contact, but it's been super helpful, but I've never tried Twitter. So I'm definitely going to check that out. Probably That's today. a ninja one too, by the way, the YouTube <laughs> contact info. Most people don't think about that. If you go to the about tab on there, mm-hmm. that's been really, really good for reaching people. But Twitter, I've just, and I, so here's a caveat I'll add to that is like, I've had a blue check on Twitter since like 2016. Mm. So it does help you if you have a blue check on Twitter, because um, you actually get a separate verified timeline where you can only see other verified people. So uh. that does help you. But Twitter has been really, really good for us. That's awesome. So with like Grant Cardone, because he's, you know, so hot right now, you see him all over everything. How did you get in touch with him? Um, So I was told no seven times by his team. (laughs) And the final time I reached out, she's like, yeah, like, I felt like this was so like cliche. She's like, you have to 10x your stats because I made the mistake of, you know, arguing about stats because this is back in 2016, actually. Oh, wow. I was working at a fundraiser and my wife's like, you're never going to believe who who I just saw. I'm like, who's that? She's like, Grant Cardone, get over here now. So <laughs> I walked over and I met Grant Cardone and he's like, oh, what do you, he was like super nice, very interested in me, didn't want to talk about himself. And he's like, what do you do, man? Oh, I've got a podcast, you know, I interview celebrities. Oh, let's do it, man. I'm like, you're, you're kidding, right? <laughs> Telling me no for like a year and a half. So that was a, that was a weird one. Like, you know, I remember when I got Kevin Harrington, I actually cold called his office. Like you kind of have to be willing to to put yourself in the right situation. I'm like, I wouldn't stalk people like don't do that. But I'm saying like put yourself in the right situations where you're, you're going to be successful. And sometimes 
to me, whenever you can get a phone number, that's when you've got the best rate of success. You know, if you can call an office. Well, I think that's a, another step. I mean, I try to avoid the phone like the plague. For oh, the most, most people part. do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, You're but I'll tell you phone. what, man, that's one of the biggest <laughs> things I learned from selling life insurance, man. You can, I can make phone calls like nobody's business because I had to make a hundred a day in order to do that. But if you can get on the phone, you're getting through every barrier because most people aren't willing to try the phone. No, that's that's a huge tip. Well, and I think just from a what's easiest to to you know ask somebody to do something, email is always going to be the easiest. So that's you're oh, competing yeah. with, you know, not just robots, <laughs> but also every lazy person who just wants to you know submit a bunch and contact everybody they can just from finding an email info at your you know website or whatever it is. Those are the ones that are never going to work, by the way. Info at, mailbox at, uh, hello at, because they just go to everybody. Yeah, n- nobody looks at that stuff. I mean, I think, yeah, I'm trying to think. That was, I, I set up websites, you know, like 300 over the last six years or so, and I always did the info. I'm like, you're never going to check this, but <laughs> you're going to have it on your website just in case. So do you think, uh, you know, somebody who's getting their first guest, um, should it be somebody they know maybe to make it easier or, or how do you suggest people start? That's a that's a tough question, right? Because I think here's the thing is for a lot of people like I was I I didn't do interviews on video for like a year because I was like, I don't like being on video. So it took me a long time to do that. And then like now we are a video show. Right. But I like the idea of like I didn't have to look at people because I didn't have to like confront them. I don't know. I was like a super nerd. So there's one part of it that it's like, yes, you should get your interview chops under you. I know my first couple interviews were people I know, like I was this guy that like basically was going to Africa and building these cool solar panels and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's cool. Let me just go over his house and interview him. And those were kind of like how I did my first interviews. But at the same time, you, you also want to like shoot big as well. Because a lot of people will just never do it because then you have this thing of I'm never ready. So I had an interesting mix of I did a few interviews of cool people I know where I could go to their houses and locally and do that while at the same time starting my outreach when I didn't even have a podcast where I could say, hey, here's the link. So like the first person I reached out to was Seth Godin. And mm-hmm. Seth was like, when you get to episode 400, we'll do it. So episode like 390, I followed up. I'm like, hey, Seth, we're almost at 400. He's like, great, let's set a time. So like you have to be willing to just kind of go for it at the same time while getting your chops ready. That's a really, really tough balance um, because you do want to get your chops under you as an interviewer and be cool with it and be good at it and, and have a good situation. But at the same time, people use this weird excuse of like, they'll never talk to me. I'm they're not big enough. So to me, just reach out. I made a list of the top 100 people I most admired when I started out day one, reached out to all of them. And I've still been following up on that list till this day. And I think that list is like 250 now, but we actually hit a good percentage of people on that list. That's awesome. Well, I think it's a a combination of hustle and courage because I think a lot of people that excuse like, yeah, I consider myself an introvert. So talking to people used to be really difficult. So I became a real estate agent because that was the worst thing that you could do <laughs> to avoid talking to people was do real estate. Uh, but a lot of people, I think they, they hide behind the I'm shy or, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, there's a thin line behind shyness and uh, being a coward, you know, to put it yeah. lightly. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. And I, cause I, cause I think at the same time we have this like, you know, inner voice that tells us sometimes like, you're not going to do it. And you got to be like, shut up, man, I'm going to go do it. And I think, I think that's one of the, one of the things you have to just realize, like, what is the worst thing that can happen? Especially if you're doing emailing, like people cannot choke you through email. So I, I think you're, you're in good shape if you're just at least trying. 
yeah, just do do something and do it a lot, and it'll probably work <laughs> in the end. Yeah. So how many episodes do you have now? You said four hundred to get to Seth, but that was a while back, right? We're at nine sixty two or something like that. So we're closing in on a thousand. We're we're getting close. Oh, that's so cool. You're gonna have a super special guest for that. I don't know. It's interesting because every time I've like tried to like plan to get a special guest for an episode number, like schedules don't work out and stuff like that. So it's like, I don't know. I guess we'll figure it out when we get there because like now with doing two a week, I've still got like half the year to figure it out. So I don't know. I guess we'll figure it out. So you're not going to cheat and just shoot the thousandth episode and and say, oh yeah, that was that was one thousand. <laughs> That's a brilliant strategy. It really is. But I, I'm <laughs> like, gonna, like I'm the, so <laughs> I'm the worst with that though. Like, because then I'd be like, oh, I got to get it out there. Like, like when when my wife and I got engaged, we got engaged in in Athens, Greece, and oh, I had like matched up this whole plan of like how I was going to do it beforehand. It was going to be like day four of the trip. It was going to be on this island. We landed. We got to the hotel, and I proposed to her at the hotel <laughs> on day one on the roof, like looking at the Parthenon. And I was like, I I just I'm not patient, man. So that wouldn't work out well for me. No, oh, that'd be stressful just waiting for it too. <laughs> then she'd be asking you stuff like, "Why are you being so weird?" <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm not. You're gonna screw up my plan. <laughs> That's what exactly. my wife does with gifts. I, I, yeah, I can't hide anything. So I get it. So if somebody, say a business, small business, wants to promote their brand, they're committed to podcasting. What do you think they should do? You know, in the next thirty days to kind of get off the ground, get rolling, make it happen. So there, there's two things I think they should do. Like number one, there's a really great course out there, and I don't know if it's still available because I took it back in 2016. But it was one of the best and most affordable courses I took on podcasting. It was called the Podcast Blueprint by Andrew Farabee. It was really good. Um, everything you need to know, and 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 it was like kind of like really concise. So that's one part of it. The other part is like you should start going on some shows as a guest before you launch your own podcast for two separate reasons. Number one, to build excitement, but number two. I found you're a better interviewer if you sat on the other side of the mic for a little bit, because then you know what you know you, you know what it's like, right? You know when you have to okay, well actually I have to ask a better question because I know what it feels like to be there. So that's one thing I say is go on some shows first, start working on your own show, then then you want to launch it a few months after that, and then you need to be going on a bunch of shows to promote it because that's really the best way to do it. So it's go on some shows, get a good course, get some good information. And, you know, frankly, get some help um, because I think two people, too many people are, are stuck in I have to know how to do everything. For me, the biggest and most freeing thing is when I hired my production team. Uh, there's there's two guys in the Philippines. They do an amazing job. All of my editing, doing all my clips, doing all of my content writing, all of that stuff. Like find somebody that can help you do that and, you know, get them on your team because getting stuck in the weeds is another reason you're going to want to quit. So I would say it's find some help get that format and then start getting out there on other shows at the same time you're producing yours because you really want to kind of blanket the space and get the right person to know about you. Like a guest tip is huge because I think that's uh, that's how I started personally was I went on a few yeah. shows and like, oh, okay, this is how you do it. Uh, I don't like hour and a half episodes because I found as a guest, I was like, oh my God. And then you the get worst bored for me, after a while, and you're like, oh, you man. do. You're like, I'm so tired of talking about myself. Or they, you know, would, <laughs> I had a few where I went on and they had a list of questions. And so they'd ask a question and then I'd respond to the question and they'd be like, uh huh. And then they asked the next question. <laughs> I'd be like, wait, did you hear what I said? <laughs> and so I started saying just crazy stuff. And it still went Well, that's down one of the, the reasons list. I stopped doing lists of questions, by the way. Like as an interviewer, like one of the things I, I focus on is I come up with like three to five bullet points of like what I want to talk about and maybe one or two like well pre-written questions because I tend to like 
listen to an interview somebody does before they're, you know, with someone else before they're on with me and not for what they talk about more for like how they communicate and things like that, because are they pause? Are they long? Are they short? Whatever it may be, because it's going to help you with that. Because what happens is people stop listening to what you're saying. Like they're like, okay, I've got this next question here. How do I get them into the next question? When really that like ruins the conversation. It's like, have your few bullet points, but really good interviewers know it's about the follow-up, man. It's about the question you ask after that one you set yourself up with. Well, I, I always like the interviewing style of uh, the Hot Ones Challenge because he comes up with just the most obscure crap and the people are almost shocked by like, oh my God, how do you know about that? And it leads to a lot of interesting answers. So I think that's that's a huge tip. So in terms yeah. of working with you or, or getting help or finding out more, where can people go? Yeah. So my company is Command Your Brand and we help people to become guests on great podcasts and kind of get their story down and everything around that. And if people are looking for help with that, I actually put together a really great resource for them called The Seven Reasons You're Not Getting Featured on Your Favorite Podcasts. Uh, and it's going to go over everything you need to know about getting a good PR plan into place to get that. So they can get that over at commandyourbrand.com slash seven reasons. And the word seven or the number seven will work for that. Nice. Covering your bases. Love it. Actually, yeah, man. Listen to love that too. <laughs> the thing you got to think about. <laughs> That's why I hate when people have a URL like, one word dash other word. People are never going to remember that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeremy. Uh, I think those are some some huge tips. I'm actually personally going to going to take that Twitter tip and start running with it today. So thank you so much for awesome. that. Uh, thank you guys for Look. tuning in. This has been the Digital Marketer Podcast. Uh, if you're a marketer or somebody who just wants to learn about digital marketing, make sure you subscribe and also check out our other podcast, Perpetual Traffic, if you're looking to get more traffic on your website. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up. Because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.